I'm Patrick Reynolds, founder of Kenzai, and this is Welcome to Your Body. In this podcast, we explore all the different ways you have to think about your body, your mind, to stay healthy and fit. And today, let's talk about the most important organ in your body, which is your brain. You can easily have an arm chopped off or a leg chopped off or even have certain parts of your body removed and you'll be okay. You'll be happy, but you'll be okay. However, if you mess with the brain, if you take a centimeter out of the right place of the brain, you are gone, dead. The brain is super important. We don't talk about it very much because it's one of those parts of the body that you can't do too much. You, you can always lose some body fat, you can make some muscle, but working on your brain is much more subtle and much more complex. So today let's talk about how to keep your brain healthy. Interventions with the brain are by nature limited. You're not going to be able to get in there and, and do much work. The brain doesn't like to be messed with. However, you can keep your brain supple in the same way that you keep your body supple with flexibility exercises or yoga. You can keep your brain youthful by getting a few basic things right. There's a cool series of YouTube videos by the YouTube channel Board Shorts. That's bored as in B-O-R-E-D, I'm, I'm bored. And they have a pretty funny idea where they'll record kids having off-the-cuff conversations and then they'll act out the conversations with adults playing the roles and you get to see the silliness of the way a kid thinks coming out of an adult's mouth. Hey, he's my next door neighbor. He's gone. I checked in that house. I knocked on the doorbell and rang it, but he was gone. I know. So, oh, did yeah. you see so much money? No. Because if he's, you saw so much money, then he's a bank Well, I saw one dollar on the ground, a ten dollar bill. Then he's a bank robber. I mean, I mean, a thousand dollar bill. Then he's a bank robber. And then sometimes they'll flip it and they'll do older people talking and they'll have kids acting out the roles. Did you notice that the blackberries are getting ripe? Yeah, those are there and the ones over here too. The ones over in the back, too. And the grapes are getting ripe. Yeah, you're going to have to start eating more blackberry this year, George. Well. I can't keep up with them all. Yeah. Go out and pick them and we'll eat them. And if you watch these videos with the, the young kids and the older people, you're struck by how different the, the nature of the conversations are, even the nature of the thinking. The older people, they dwell on just these mundane topics and they circle around to the same idea again and again and they repeat themselves. Their sentence construction is pretty stilted and repetitive and they don't really use many interesting words or any interesting concepts. When you watch the kids, they are all over the place. Their brains darting from penguins to bank robbers to all these things. They're happy to mix them up and they're happy to bring some color into their speech. So something different is happening in these two sets of brains, the 10-year-old's brain and the 60-year-old's brain. And let's talk about what exactly changed. So around age 45, something happens to human beings. And I always say this as kindly and gently as I can, but basically you start to die. Your systems start to lose the battle against entropy. Another really nice way I've heard of this is that we, <laughs> we lose molecular fidelity. So all those atoms and molecules and cells and structures that were 
tightly wound and working together perfectly like intermeshing gears, they start to get fuzzy. They start to rot, for lack of a better word. Now, the most visible sign of this is the deterioration of your muscle tone and your skin elasticity and your hair volume. You can imagine how when someone gets older, all these things start to kind of fold in on themselves and get thin and weak. But changes are happening below the surface as well. Your organs operate much less efficiently. Your cartilage gets thin and kind of dry. And your bones get brittle. Your circulation decreases. This is all really gloomy stuff, but this is what happens when you get older. And of course, as your body becomes less supple and strong, your brain also gets rigid. But how exactly? What happens to the physical brain structure? So if you just look around right now, look around anywhere in your field of view, you're going to see an object probably. Like right now I'm looking at a, a coffee cup. So my brain sees that and says coffee cup. It knows it instantly. What's happening inside to get that thought into your head? Photons are hitting that coffee cup. They're bouncing off it into my eyes. In the back of my eyes, I have some really sensitive cells, some light sensitive cells that capture that pattern of a white cup. And these cells, they generate an electric charge, which then travels along these axon threads to neuronal endpoints. Now they're in my brain. When the charge reaches one of these endpoints, it releases a chemical neurotransmitter, which activates a whole bunch of other neurons that all share that same meeting point. These meeting points are called synapses, which you've probably heard of. These neurons, they repeat the signal transmission to the right area of my brain until the thought coffee cup can be formed. So just looking at a coffee cup and knowing it's a coffee cup is a process that involves billions of neurons working in sequence to basically get photon energy neurochemically transmitted to the right part of the brain that I can recognize the pattern. We can't even find the point at which a thought of coffee cup comes into existence. All of a sudden we have a bunch of random signals and then at the other end we have coffee cup. We don't know what happens between that. So it's a mystery to science. We're working on it, but we're not there at all. So the mind of a child has really high neuroplasticity. And plasticity in the brain means the brain is able to find multiple pathways to uh, reach its electrochemical goals. The young child has a flexible brain and it's able to handle all kinds of stimuli really easily. The child's brain is sprouting neurons in every direction and is forming billions of synaptic connections. So at Oxford University did a study and they found that adults have 41% fewer neurons than newborn babies. So as you grow up, and you feel like you're getting smarter, but you're actually losing a ton of cognitive power with every passing year. By the time you're 20 or 21, even though you feel like, wow, I'm full of life and vim and vigor, you've lost a lot of brain cells. That's how the brain works. It branches out in every direction. It figures out which patterns and structures are useful. It discards the rest, just like any part of your body. If you don't use your muscle, it slowly atrophies. If you don't use different parts of your brain, they go away. So this is why the kids in the video are able to really quickly jump between topics, between penguins and robbers and all these things. The young brain can juggle these multiple ideas all at once, and it doesn't have any trouble synthesizing it. It can take some from here, some from there, and make a story. It's no big deal for them. Around age seven, 
you start to lose these synaptic connections. You stabilize your neuron loss at about 25 or 30. There's some interesting theories that this is why kids stop believing in Santa at around seven or eight years old, because their brain can no longer tolerate the conflict between the all-knowing man who can fly in with his reindeer and the physical experience of reality and knowing that things can't fly and that physics has rules. They can no longer hold those two thoughts at the same time and one of them has to go and usually it's Santa. This is also why if you have a child between the ages three and seven, it is incumbent upon you to treat that little brain in their heads with respect and care. Their brains are soaking up every stimuli like a sponge and you need to surround them with good stimuli. You have like a four-year window where you can make any difference in this department. And after that, it's gone. So don't waste it. If you have a young kid, be sure to give them lots and lots of enrichment. It's going to be great for their developing brain. So now you're in your early mid-20s, your brain is stabilized, and you're pretty much stuck with the number of neurons that you've got. And you shouldn't feel bad, you still got 85 billion neurons, which is roughly the number of stars in the universe. So you can do a lot with this. And this is where physical fitness is a great analogy. For all intents and purposes, the brain behaves just like any of your hundreds of other body parts. A really young child is extremely flexible. If you ever seen kids try yoga, they're doing poses which people can't even attempt right off the first day. But as you get older, flexibility isn't something you get for free anymore. So you have to work at it. You have to spend a few hours a week stretching, reminding your muscles of their natural length, getting your joints to remain fluid. And a lot of people don't bother to do this, and then they're surprised a few years later when they find they can't even touch their toes anymore. And they say, what happened? Well, you didn't use it, and so you lost it. Your brain works in exactly the same way. You lose the natural flexibility as you age. And if you don't proactively stretch your gray matter, it becomes rigid. Like everything else in your body, your brain doesn't like to waste energy. A muscle that you don't use becomes smaller. A synapse that goes unfired, that doesn't have that electrical spark shooting through it very often, also gets weaker. It literally gets thinner. It starts to draw away from its partner. And if you neglect that connection for too long, the neurons retreat completely from each other. And now that neuronal pathway is close to you forever. It'll grow back. This is why you forget things. If you took a foreign language in high school and then you have never used it in the intervening years, your synapses that had all those words ready to go and all the vocabulary have not been fired and they've withered and separated. And now no matter how hard you try, you can't call up that foreign language. You can look it up in a book and try to make a new pathway to learn it, but that old pathway is lost to you. Same thing with just random facts. Maybe you can't remember the name of the person who lived across the hall from you in college because you just have not thought about that person in years. The synapses withered and that memory is lost. Again, you can look it up and figure it out with another synaptic pathway, but the old one's gone. So how do you not lose these pathways or lose as few as possible? Now, for our bodies, we know the answer to this really well. The key to maintaining an aging body comes down to two things, which are nutrition and exercise. And for the brain, maintaining good performance comes down to two things, surprise, nutrition, and exercise. Here's how it works for nutrition. You have to have a varied diet with fresh whole foods, which give your brain essential nutrients. 
it needs to maintain itself. The brain takes up 20% of the body's energy, even though it has only a small percentage of the total mass. It is an energy and nutrition powerhouse. It demands it. So if you feed it right, it's going to perform better. Excess drinking has been definitively linked to dementia, so you need to avoid that just as you would avoid drinking too much if you're trying to get physically fit. So the nutrition plan that you would follow to get fit in your body is exactly the same one that you would use for your brain. So you get two for one with that. So might as well start eating right. Now for exercise, physical exercise gets your blood pumping. And like I said, 20% of that blood goes to your brain and all the oxygen is used by your brain. Now for exercise, when you exercise, your blood gets pumping. And as we talked about, 20% of that blood, the oxygen is used up by your brain. Oxygen drives ATP hydrolysis, which is a reaction that powers all that electrical activity that's going on up there. If you were to deprive the brain of oxygen, for example, someone who's drowning, you will see the neurons break down and fall apart in about four minutes. So think about it. at any given time, you are four minutes of oxygen away from brain death. That's why it's really important to get a lot of blood up there and exercise is a great way to do it. It gets fresh blood up to the brain, allows the brain to heal itself and to work as optimally as it can. 30 minutes of exercise a day has been shown to be plenty to get this effect. Again, you get two for one here. Your brain stays healthy, your body stays healthy when you add in the exercise. Beyond physical exercise, you need to keep your synaptic connections renewed by continually challenging your brain with new stimuli. A lot of talk and, and buzz is generated with the idea of brain training in the last couple of decades. And these are, you know, mini games or puzzles or activities which are designed to sharpen up your brain. And you'll see ads for kids and all these things to, to do brain training. But the research is in on this. It's strong, solid research. It turns out that playing a lot of brain training games makes you really good at brain training games. And that's about it. The scientific way of saying this is that the effects from brain training do not generalize. Meaning that you do get better at the Sudoku puzzle or maze that you're doing but you are not able to translate that improvement to other aspects of mental function. So if you really like Sudoku or a brain training game, go for it, enjoy it, but it's not actually gonna make your brain function much better in other areas. Now here's what we know does keep your brain function healthy, keeps those synapses strong. This is engaging in new activities. And if those activities have a strong social component, you get a huge multiplier. Interacting with other people in the context of learning something new, it just floods your brain with neurotransmitters and it builds new synaptic connections. It opens up new pathways for your thoughts to lead you down. And this is what kind of drives me crazy about all these brain training games is that you're sitting alone working on a crossword puzzle or tapping a, a mini game and you've lost the key social mulch, which brains need to thrive. In terms of your brain health, you would literally be better off sitting on the corner, exchanging stories to the homeless guy than staying at home and doing a brain training game. That's the power of that social connectivity. Now, when you're doing a physical exercise, it's really easy to know when you're working hard. You feel the pump, you feel the burn, you know how that feels. However, when you're exercising your brain, you can't feel the burn in quite the same way. What you do feel is a sense of frustration and wanting to quit. You can see this in action if you watch an older person who's getting to grips with new technology. They don't have much patience and they don't have much of a sense of humor about it. And they often shut down completely. And they'll kind of be sullen and say things like, it's beyond me, it's over my head, this stuff is too complicated for me. And they'll kind of shut down. 
When you feel these sentiments rising in your own mind, it's a really good bet that you've stumbled on something which is healthy for you to pursue more deeply, to stretch your brain around it. So if you're trying something new, take it in small chunks, start from the basics and build your knowledge up step by step. Don't overwhelm yourself. Even if you never master the new thing, if you never master guitar, or you never master the new software, the act of trying keeps your brain supple and strong. So this is the key takeaway from this podcast. Frustration is the brain feeling the burn. Embrace it. Getting frustrated, feeling like you're not getting it, that's your brain getting its workout in. And you shouldn't turn away with that or you're gonna become like an old crusty person in the videos talking about the weather all day. The brain is a mysterious and complicated organ, but the rules for keeping it healthy are as simple as you use for your body. Wholesome food, regular exercise, and an exposure to a wide variety of activities. If you get these things right now in the present, you're gonna be rewarded with a sharper brain in the future. And the future is not staying still. It's gonna be crazy. We're gonna have artificial intelligence, biotechnology, climate change, geopolitical shifts, space exploration, all these things are gonna be mind blowing. And for me personally, I wanna have a brain that can deal with the changes, that can contribute to the discussion in a meaningful way. And I want you to be there with me. So let's keep our brains healthy and fresh and supple and make the future a great place to be. Thanks for listening to Welcome Your Body. If you like this podcast, if you like staying healthy, mind and body, join the Kenzai program. They're launching every month. There's something for you, whether it's running, weight training, body weight exercise, we got something which will suit your needs. See you next week.